Welcome to Revival from the Bible, a daily devotional podcast designed to help more people get into God's Word and get more out of the Word. I'm Ben Blakey. Today's passage is 1 Corinthians 2. Has there ever been a book that you really liked and you heard They're making a movie about this book, and you get all excited, but then you kind of discover that, well, they're going to change some things from the book, and you see it, and I'm guessing in almost every case, you're disappointed with the changes. The changes to the story rarely, if ever, really improve things, and so you walk away feeling disappointed. Well, I can only imagine how God must feel when he listens to some people present the gospel. And when some people feel like, you know, let's make some changes to, you know, make it more palatable to people, make it more acceptable to people. I can only imagine the frustration that God must sense in that, in thinking that anyone can improve on the story and the good news of the gospel, that of really what God has done. And that's what we're going to see in 1 Corinthians 2. We are going to see the superiority of God's wisdom to human wisdom. And the big headline for today is really that the gospel is so much better than the world, and unfortunately many times even us, give it credit for. The gospel is better than the world realizes. And again, we need to note, and it'll be clear when we get into tomorrow's reading with 1 Corinthians 3, uh, we need to note the context again. This is in the context of the problem of division within the church. And part of the broader point here is that the cross at the center of the biblical gospel should inherently humble us. And so really chapter two, while because of the chapter divisions, you don't really get division, which you see in chapter one and chapter three, you need to remember that that is the context for this. But we're going to see in this that the gospel is better than the world gives it credit for. And I want you to think about this in a couple ways. One, that reality should affect your presentation of the gospel. Let's see what Paul says here at the beginning. He says, and I, when I came to you, brothers, did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom, for I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and fear and much trembling. And my speech and my message were not in plausible words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power so that your faith may not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. So Paul highlights my presentation to you was really focused on Christ and him crucified. And it's not like I was just some super compelling speaker. No, there was fear. Uh, There was weakness. There was trembling involved. And so I want you to think about how this should affect how you present the gospel. And really, it should challenge you because many times we use fear or trembling as an excuse to to not share the gospel, or we think, oh, you know, someone smarter than me needs to do this. No, this I think is pretty compelling to us to highlight, no, the power is not in the messenger. The power is in 
the message. So that should challenge you by taking away some of your excuses, but it should also encourage you that the power is not in the messenger, but the power is in the message, the message of Christ and him crucified. And so it should keep you from a couple things. One, it should keep you from thinking, you know, I have to edit the gospel to make it more palatable, right? No, we don't because the cross will inevitably be a stumbling block. And so I don't need to try to take everything that I think will be a stumbling block out of the gospel, because if I do that, I'm probably not actually even preaching the gospel because the cross is a stumbling block. So don't put that pressure on yourself, because if you do, even though you might in your head make some sense of that being well-intentioned, well, you know, I'm trying to get this person to, to believe the gospel, but you end up missing the gospel entirely. So there's a big danger in that, that you need to be warned of. Don't try to edit the gospel. Now, we have seen in Paul, that does not mean that he does not consider his audience at all. And even we read through the book of Acts, and you can see there's a difference in Paul's message when he's, for instance, at a Jewish synagogue versus when he is in Athens speaking to a bunch of idolatrous pagans. And so there is a time to consider your audience, but not to alter the content of the gospel. You're at some point going to need to get to Christ and him crucified, no matter how or who you are talking to. So you should be encouraged that the power is in that message. And that's the message that you should seek to proclaim. And so I want to encourage every one of you, if you think I can't evangelize, I'm not going to win anyone to Christ. You are not giving the gospel the credit it deserves because the gospel is the power of God for salvation. It's not the brilliant messenger. It's not the compelling messenger. It's the message of the cross. So be encouraged to proclaim that message as God will work through it. But the world does not comprehend this message. One of the very interesting things uh, in this passage, it talks about how this is really a secret and hidden uh, wisdom of God, which God decreed before the ages began uh, for our glory. And he highlights how the, the rulers of this world did not understand this for they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. So even the, the rulers of this world did not understand this because if they did, they would not have crucified Christ. The cross, a crucified savior is not going to make sense to the world, but that is the message of God. And that is the message that God will work through to open people's eyes. So the gospel is better than the world gives it credit for. That should affect your presentation of the gospel. It should also affect your appreciation of the gospel. I love verse nine where it says, but as it is written, what no eye has seen, nor ear has heard, nor the heart of man imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. What an amazing truth. We can't comprehend. People don't see or understand that the reality of the greatness of what God has prepared for those who love him. If you are a believer, what God has done for you through the gospel is greater than you can fully grasp. Now, of course, if you are a Christian, you do understand the gospel. The gospel is simple enough and clear enough that even a child can understand it. But the gospel is also 
deep enough and rich enough that we will spend our whole lives growing in our understanding of just how wonderful this good news is. And so I hope today's reading encourages you in that as well, uh, of how good the gospel is. And then we see that God really reveals this through the Spirit, because the gospel is not going to make sense to the blinded world, but the Spirit opens people's eyes to help them understand this thing. And I think we're going to see how that really applies not just to our understanding of the gospel, but it applies to how we live life and how we don't have the spirit of the world, but the spirit that is from God. And so we're not to be pursuing human wisdom, but we are to be pursuing spiritual wisdom. As I was reading this, I was reminded of another verse that we've read recently from Romans 12, verse 2, which talks about not being conformed to this world, but being transformed by the renewal of our minds. And so that needs to be our goal as Christians. I'm not just trying to slurp up the wisdom of the world. I want the wisdom that comes from God, and I need his help to understand that. But that's where I would say, well, what's one way God has helped us to understand his wisdom? The Bible. And if you are a Christian, you have the Holy Spirit. So you should read your Bible, and you should seek to understand the Bible, and you should let the Bible be your guide in how you understand this world and how you live this life. I think even when we were back in Romans talking about some of the more complicated and heady issues of theology, how we need to stick to the Bible, right? That's the boat through which we can sail through the deep waters of theology and the Christian life. And we need to make sure we don't get off the boat for what makes sense to me or what seems palatable to the world. That would be an example of us really going after worldly wisdom. We, we should always be trying to stick to the Bible. Let the Bible guide me in understanding, not letting me guide the Bible. That That is not going to work. So we want to pursue the wisdom of the Spirit. I would say one of the most practical ways we can do that is through the Bible itself. So the gospel is better than we give it credit for. That should affect our presentation of the gospel. That should affect our appreciation of the gospel. And it should really steer us towards the word of God, seeking the wisdom of God and not the wisdom of this world. And as we now get back to chapter three, we're going to start to see how all of that is going to apply to the problem of division and pride within the church. Thanks for digging into God's Word with me today on Revival from the Bible. For more resources, check out RevivalFromTheBible.com. To learn more about Compass Bible Church Treasure Valley, go to CompassBible.tv. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you.